This is Living Connected. And we are your hosts, Katie and Eric. Oh my goodness. I feel so frustrated. The mic cord completely gave out and my audio to this episode is an utter fail. I couldn't not use any of it except for maybe a very short piece in the beginning. And yeah, so Eric was so sweet and kind and overnighted me two new chords so that I could have them as I'm editing. Whew, thank you, Eric. I feel so disappointed that I'm using the Zoom audio and the Zoom audio isn't great. So thank you, everyone, for being patient with me as I want this podcast to be as professional as I can make it. And this time, (laughs) oh dear. Uh, So today we are going to be talking about passive aggressive behavior. And I have some examples of my own life that I will be using. And oftentimes, People use passive aggressive behavior because they don't have the skills to express their feelings or needs effectively. Passive aggressive behavior is a pattern of indirectly expressing feelings and or needs instead of openly addressing them. This can look like nonverbal actions, blaming, and or the silent treatment, and etc. When I think of the feelings of passive-aggressive behavior, I think about anger, frustration, hostility, irritated, and there could be a lot of other feelings as well. What comes up for you? Depending on the passive-aggressive behavior, there could be a variety of unmet needs for a person. When I was on the other end of the behavior, I definitely felt frustrated, shocked, and confused. I had unmet needs for trust, safety, respect, and consideration. We learn tragic ways to meet needs, and passive-aggressive behavior is just one of those strategies that we use sometimes to avoid conflict or confrontation, or maybe we're afraid to speak directly for what we want and need. So let's explore this topic together. Okay. Every time I, I bring us in, I get so nervous. I don't know why. I mean, not nervous, but just like, how do I start this? <laughs> Welcome, Living Connected listeners. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad we're back and we have a good episode coming up for you today. And um, it was very funny because before Eric, well, Eric was like, I'm on, just wait, no rush. And then I was like, okay, I gotta go to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom and it didn't turn out to be the quick bathroom. Well, actually, it did turn out to be the quick bathroom. Thought that I, but I ended up taking the shit instead. You know, it's one of those like I gotta go to the ba- gotta go pee, and then I ended up pooping. But then it ended up being a no wiper, so it was like really fast and done deal, which is the kind I prefer because <laughs> it's less messy and gross. So I felt pretty good about that. And then what was another funny is that I got on, and then Eric had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> with a little technical difficulty we're back (laughs) and living connected is back internet is just so uh, it just is so frustrating when internet doesn't work like I was in a practice group and my internet was like cutting out and the people didn't hear anything that I was saying and then it never came back around to me to be like oh did you want to finish your point or like what you had to say so not only was it like the internet, <laughs> it's like, that's, I think one of the frustrations with Zoom that I have in general, when we're like trying to connect from far away, you know, and you have to use Zoom instead of like it being in person. And then along with the pandemic, like, oh, Jesus. So I am feeling tired that it's not working like I want it to work. <laughs> oh, so um, I think the starting was pretty good. <laughs> start off with a little bit of a laugh doing our duties and my friend like and when I was on the phone with her she goes I hope what she said she said oh she said something that was really funny something about smooth going or something like that (laughs) sure enough it was (laughs) smooth going (laughs) oh so um I feel so flustered (laughs) how are you Eric how are you doing (laughs) I'm great I'm great it's Sunday I slept in I talked to my parents 
I helped them look for a car. I exercised. Oh, yeah. I fixed a hinge on the door. I don't fix things normally, but this we have this hinge on this door. It's the door we use the most from the garage to the family room, and it automatically closes. So for like a month and a half, it wouldn't automatically close. So you'd walk out, and then you'd have to walk back in, grab the door, and close it because it wouldn't automatically close. And it was a long way to walk. those extra four or five feet because it wouldn't close. So now it's all set. And I could do it. It only took 15 minutes once I got the right parts. And they sent me the wrong parts. So I'm very happy. I actually got something done. And I'm working on my certification portfolio. So uh, I would say both I'm further along than I expected. And I still have work to do. And uh, so I'm glad. And uh, I'm, I'm a little tired. So I might not work on it again today. I really didn't do anything today. I did a lot yesterday and the day before. So feeling a little hopeful that I'll actually get the certification process done within the next month to six months. Um, I'm anticipating I'll go through what's called pre-assessment and they'll say, hey, you know, that's pretty good, but we think we want you to be open to outcomes. So why don't we come back and we'll certify, we'll check how you're doing in six months. And because I'll have to be open to outcome, I'll say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll wait six months. And I don't really want to wait six months. No one wants to wait six months. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll we'll find out. They'll they'll drill me on some basic concepts, and then <laughs> right. they'll look at some of the stuff in the portfolio. So, yeah. Did you want to share anything else, or should we just drop into passive aggressive behavior? Oh, I just want to say yay on the part that came in and he fixed the door. So that's good. Glad on that. And also the you know the NBC thing is it's a process, you know, and you have to go through it, and it is just what it is. So. Six months or not, <laughs> you can do it, Eric. Yeah. If anyone can, it's you. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. We'll find out. Yes. We'll find out. Yeah. You yes. just never know what the feedback is going to be from some people. So is that like nerve wracking to like not know? Not. You know, it used to be, but now I have enough confidence. That doesn't mean competence, but I have enough confidence that even if I didn't get certified you know, I'm still going to do a bunch of teaching and stuff and facilitating. So it's less nerve wracking than, you know, I really kind of want to finish it. Right. So it's not, it's, uh, yeah. Over your head. Yeah. Yeah. And if I don't get certified right away, yeah. If I, if it's not whole, you know, I just want to get it done. It's kind of like if you wanted to finish your college sure. degree, you just want to, yeah. you just want to finish it. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like that. Yeah. It is interesting how subjective it is though. So people can object and say things, but, uh, they don't they don't and if they do they do so right. i'm really open to the feedback though someone said you know you can give us feedback in this safe environment i said i think it's always safe on zoom because nobody can bite me on zoom it's just words <laughs> right but yeah they can't like breach the mean, screen and be like i've got you by the neck i'm gonna come get you yeah yeah and yeah and i, and, and I learned that from uh oh. reshma Menachem. I'm sorry, I don't pronounce his name right. He wrote my grandmother's hands. And someone I talked to about um, my IFS teacher. And one of the things that he says is when you're scanning the environment early on, you look to see if you're safe. And, you know, most of the time, if you're on front of a Zoom, you're in that moment. Usually you're safe. Yes, you are. I mean, not always, but sure. there's no tigers. <laughs> and right in that moment, nobody's coming for me with anger hopefully and that kind of thing so so hopefully nobody will bite me over zoom that's right <sighs> well that's relieving to find no <laughs> thank you for sharing <laughs> i like to know about what's uh happening with that progress and that process of you making your way through being a trainer so that's exciting uh yeah i would say i've been real lucky to have uh support from people like you and my uh empathy buddies and my teachers and my nvc day one group and um, my certification pod and my Southern California pod I've and uh, NVC Academy and Yvette Erasmus and all of these people, uh, you know, all have been super supportive. Yes. Yeah. So I think I'm real fortunate. And what's what I think is super interesting is uh, the more warmth I get from each of these encounters, the more I'm able to access warmth from all the encounters. Mm -hmm. If I have a good experience with you or with anybody really at this point in the NBC community in particular, I can access warmth and then I try to, as part of a practice, access the warmth from other encounters, uh, from family members, my parents, other NBC people, friends of any kind. 
in a way, I'm living more in abundance than I did before. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but what's great is it, uh, it is working um, sometimes. So I kind of like that. There's some celebration and some hope there, I think. Yeah, I hear that too. And I think having that support and that warmth from others while going through this process is so incredibly powerful and empowering and helps us get through it. I don't know. I just moving through something that's really tough without that support is like insanely hard, more challenging, I think, than to not have that. I was going to ask, do you also find the warmth within too? Like, does the warmth from others help you find self-warmth at all? You know, that's a great question. I think I'm still working on that. I don't, I don't really know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm listening to the book of joy again. And when people feel lonely, they seek out literal warmth, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the things I am doing is I'm keeping the room I work in uh, much warmer than before. Mm. And um, I'm just dressing warmer. And uh, that actually seems to help improve my mood. <laughs> so I, I don't know. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So self-warmth, I don't know about. That's a good question. I think uh, I would say I'm probably not quite there yet. Um, but if you really think about it, if I really think about it right now, all warmth is actually self-warmth, right? So if I remember the warmth I felt from someone else, it's actually me that's generating it based on the thoughts and feelings that I have. Mm-hmm. So maybe, yeah, I'm generating warmth by thinking about other the warmth I perceive I'm getting from other people. Yeah, yeah. And you're physically helping your physical body feel warmth too. Yes, definitely that too. Yeah, that's awesome. Good. You'll get there. It's all practice. It's all lifelong. Yeah. <laughs> no need to rush. <laughs> well, I'd kind of like to rush, but it doesn't seem like I'm able to. So It's the journey, Eric. It's the journey. This is what it's about. <laughs> if, if you say so, Sensei. Uh, <laughs> yes. I don't know what to say to that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah just like bow to you, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, thank you for checking in and just telling me and keeping me up to date about what's happening. It's interesting because my energy, when I have to like slow down, it's sometimes easier for me to listen and to uh, be over there, like to you and focus on you first so that I can like calm down after this like thing, technical issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had a hard time getting the internet working. Go ahead, please. Yeah, the internet just—it's uh, crazy. We spent all this money for internet to like be good, and it's just not. So um, I—it's a, a three-day weekend, so I'm feeling grateful about that. Though it's uh, going by way too quickly, and I felt very like loved and warmth, and felt special. When I got this text message from Maria, my friend from Germany, and she wrote this like, and it's cool how just sometimes just one very sweet, kind, thoughtful, inspiration uh, text can just come through and it just lights you up. And that's what her text did today. And she's taking David's class. And so she had listed like four people or something who inspired her and in last year and I was one of them and I was like so honored and like touched and I was like oh my god really like ah this is just so awesome you're awesome she's so awesome I love you Maria so just wanted to give that like love and endearment to her because when we feel down sometimes it's nice to have like that one really special text that comes through and it makes you feel really loved and then this last like week, I've just been really struggling with a lot of emotions with mom. Just like, for instance, you know, I see things that come up on Facebook where we used to do yoga together and I would put a bunch of pictures of yoga poses together and send them to her and then we would FaceTime. And so there was one time when we were FaceTiming that had come up and Hank is like, underneath me and on top of me and moss on the other end and she's like looking she's like what the heck <laughs> no, like yeah so it was just really of a sweet moment to remember that she and I did yoga and meditated together and a lot of things are just super touching especially when it gets to like tv shows or anything that I'm watching that just bring up like that kind of like deep sense of loss that she's just not here physically and 
oh, it just hits me really hard sometimes. And I was even watching Lilo and Stitch with the, a class this week and Ohana means family in Hawaiian. And I just fell apart. I was like, oh my God, this poor Stitch feels alone like the ugly dumpling did, you know? And so I just was like, oh, it feels, that feels like me. I feel like this outcast or this person who doesn't feel like part of a family and Stitch keeps looking at this book feeling that way. Like he doesn't have a family. He feels like an outcast. He's, you know, this, and they just, I couldn't keep it together. Like sitting in this class, just like tearing up and I'm going, Oh my God, my mom used to cry at all the Disney movies too. And maybe for different reasons or other than just being present with the movie. But yeah, that just sort of then hit me. So I was just like then watching Lucifer and things in that TV show, like got to my heart and like, I started crying. So I just been a lot of like tears and, um, just I've you know journaled this weekend uh, with some dreams that she comes into, which my mom appears in my dreams, and I feel very grateful. And this last one, I felt very comforted that she was there. And what's really interesting because I might have talked about this in the past, but in the dream, she's sitting on her couch, she had a smile on her face, and I had this thought in the dream, and I said to myself, "She's not going to be here for long. Go give her a kiss and a hug." God damn it. Did I just not do that in my dream? I'm like, and then to swing it back to the beginning of our little check-in in the beginning, like I, in the dream, I was pooping and I was sitting on the toilet and like people just kept coming in, like from the outside and just like, oh, like I can't like take a shit. People just be, like standing around and I'm wiping and whatnot, but like I didn't give her a hug and a kiss in my dream because I had to go to the bathroom (laughs) and I'm just, (laughs) and I wake up going, wait, why didn't I just give her a hug and a kiss? It's so interesting because I had that same, I had that same in real life. I wanted to just go over there and snuggle with her, lay in bed with her. It, It was just so prickly for me to do that and felt very weird because I thought, you know, she's mad at me and angry. And so then I just never did. And Next time in my dream, I'm going to go over there and give her a hug and a kiss. <laughs> yeah. Next time you see her, you're going to give her a hug and a kiss. Yeah. Yes. Oh. So it's uh, comforting to know that she appears in my dreams and then also that she's in spirit. I saw some feathers on the ground yesterday and it's just, I have these down moments, but I also remind, I am reminded that she's still alive and her soul is still around. So that is just helpful for me to move through all of the grief. And I know it's been, Well, this January of the 27th will be exactly six months. So it's not that long if you think about it to have a family member who's passed. It still seems like it would have just been yesterday that she was alive. And remembering that her body just could not keep up with her, the illness anymore. And it's not her fault or mine or anybody's. So not her fault that she passed. Yeah, It's just the way yeah it's i mean it sounds like it's really tender you're really missing her now and you're really just you just love her you're just you're just wanting that warmth and care and touch and presence and just knowing she's in the world physically and it sounds like you actually do feel her in your heart too yeah is that true yeah totally she's alive in my heart all the time and i want to keep her like that (laughs) all the time yeah and still battling a little bit with the family situation. And I'm reading the book Triggers by uh, David Rico. And when things constantly come up, you would be really, I wish, I want to tell you this experience that I had. It was so interesting. And so I was in this same classroom when watching Lilo and Stitch, but it was a different day. I heard a ringtone and the ringtone was my sister's ringtone. Now, I will tell you, my phone is never has the ringer is never on ever. It's off. It doesn't even vibrate. And I hear this. I hear the ringtone and literally my body goes into like fight or flight. My heart drops into my stomach. I'm literally viscerally getting physical response to this text ringtone. Yeah. Your body remembers your body's getting ready to fight or defend. Yep. And it was my sister's ringtone. So, you know, I haven't spoken to her. She ignored me and the, you know, all of the things like 
they don't invite me to Christmas. So, and my thoughts immediately went, holy shit. She texted me What the, what, what am I going to say? What is she going to say to me? Oh my God. Like I went seriously into like, okay, I'm going to have to defend myself. I feel unsafe. What's going to happen. All of these things. Right. And so I'm watching this play out and then it did it again. And then I took like a, a second to pause. And I thought, wait a second, my phone, wait a minute. My phone's not on. Did she actually really text me? You know, so then you get your phone out and you're like, oh my gosh, you, oh, it wasn't, it was someone else's phone. <laughs> I just, it's a very interesting to watch your and feel inside of my body go through this process. So knowing that this is a trigger to have a conversation with her, to hear it, get a text from her, like, what could it possibly be for? How am I going to respond to this? Am I going to pause and take a moment? You know, so that still affects me. The whole family thing still affects me. And I calmed down, but I did have to verbalize to one of the coworkers. I did have to say, wow, I just freaked out for a minute. Wow. I just had to say it out loud. That that sounds like you were just, you're just shocked, shocked that you had this visceral reaction. You noticed it. You were aware of it. And then you verbalized it just to maybe diffuse the tension a little bit in yourself. Just name it to tame it kind of a thing. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Because I was internally having this conflict happen inside of my body that nobody else around me had any idea. Right, right. I was like, I feel really anxious. And I just want to say that ringtone freaked me out because it's my sister's ringtone. You know, like I just had to say it just to name it to tame it. Exactly. Mm. And how did I, in that moment, like settle my body to self-regulate? A, I spoke it out loud. Two, I was like, okay, I'm safe. I'm okay. Because, you know, we want to get into that fight mode. Yeah. It did. It kind (laughs) of... It took me a little while to finally bring my heart rate down, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so how did you take your heart rate down? You named it to tame it. And what else did you do to take care of yourself in that moment? I definitely sat there and took some deep breaths. Definitely internal, internally said, okay, I'm safe. I'm okay. It, there, you know, it wasn't her reassurance, like reassure myself that, okay. Then once I have like calmed down, I was able to think, oh my God. I had this giant trigger response in my body. What's going on there? Yeah. Right. That's something to dig into. What needs aren't met? What needs are met? What's going on with that? It's, uh, yeah. And that didn't, I mean, it took, you said it took some time. My guess is it probably took between 30 seconds and a minute and a half. Does that sound about right? You think it'd be longer than that even? Or you don't know because it just was so surprising it's so fast yeah Yeah, it was so surprising and shocking that it just happened so quickly maybe more minutes to like self-regulate and calm down probably like five minutes just to like sit there and calm my body down (laughs) deep breath for being so like Mm -hmm. anxious to oh okay it's okay it's okay (laughs) um i mean people can have internal like things happen like that and we would have no idea and how we self-regulate, how do we not then bring that energy into the kids or the environment that we're in? You know, it's, uh, it takes a lot of awareness too. And it was hard because it almost wasn't like controllable to like immediately hear that and just go straight into this fight or flight. Yeah. It was crazy how flip of a switch it went. Yeah. And it did take, I don't know, a couple minutes to like realize that it wasn't her. It wasn't my phone. But I was like stuck in there for a second. Oh, so you were stuck. It sounds like you were, you got scared. Yep. Then you were processing and um, then you got curious and maybe you're even celebrating that uh, you were able to take care of the kids and process it and protect yourself, as, uh, protect the kids or just care for the kids because you really want to be there. Uh, and there's, I thought I heard something in there all about like just having compassion for other people that they, this could be happening all the time and other people. Yeah. We just don't know it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was listening to, uh, who I think it was my Bialik's breakdown uh, podcast. And she, I think she had Howie Mandel on and he's like constantly like in fear. So yeah, like that constant stress or that constant feeling that we have can be in other people constantly or all the time. So walking around with this like constant fear or stress is the, and anxiety is, uh, yeah, I have lots of compassion for that, for sure. 
thank you for listening to all of that. I was like, I just had remembered. I was like, I haven't had to share this with Eric because it was such a cool experience. I mean, at the time, not so much cool, but now it's like, wow, like how I've grown to process something that's triggered you and you feel it in your body. You think about the thoughts you had at that time, the feelings, and then figuring out how to self-regulate and those strategies of what that looked like. So it was just like that whole thing just went right off. Yeah. All while I'm working. <laughs> it's like, holy yeah, yeah. There's a lot of celebration there, I think, or I, I think we should celebrate because you were aware and you, yeah. you went through your regulation process and you didn't take it out on the kids. You didn't take it out on yourself. You know, you yeah, nope. sounds like you got to a place of uh, some understanding and curiosity and, so that's that's a really big deal because once we become aware of it, I mean, this is the first step. You become aware of it, and then we can become aware of it, and then we can actually do something about it. And it sounds like you did something about it in your sphere and aloneness, and and got to curiosity and yeah. some warmth for yourself, maybe even. Yeah, that's sometimes really hard to do when you're actually in front of the person, too. Oh yeah. So because they're constantly triggering you when yeah. they're actually in front of you, potentially, right? Their physical presence. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a situation where you don't want to be in front of someone. Right. You know, Zoom is good sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Zoom is good sometimes. Exactly. They're not like, yeah, physically in front of you. That's another thing. It's too is I was thinking that I wouldn't want this reaction that I had in my body and how I felt to actually happen in front of her in person. I mean, like, if this is happening without her even physically being in my presence, and it was just a ringtone, like, holy crap, am I not ready to be like physically in the same space as her? So that was another like self-compassion moment too, or mm, grace or empathy for myself in that, oh, my capacity for that is not, I'm not ready. And that's okay to be not ready. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Are we ready to? Uh... Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about passive aggressive behavior. Wait, what were you going to say? I was going to say, are you complete? <gasps> oh, yes. I do feel complete. Yeah. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, for you checking in on that. Yes. Passive aggressive. Let's do this. So I had to look it up the definition so that we're both on the same page of this, which I found um, interesting. And the definition of passive aggressive is a pattern of indirectly expressing feelings or needs, which I added in <laughs> feelings or needs instead of openly addressing them. And then when I was in the practice group, the a person had mentioned the opposite of that the opposite of what passive aggressive was. And they mentioned uh, assertiveness, making needs known, like having authenticity, which I thought was quite interesting to have like what the opposite definition of passive aggressive is. What do you think? Uh, so, so it's aggressive honesty. Is that what you just said? Or assertive honesty? Yeah, like assertiveness. I would say you are assertive or firm with what your needs are. Or what your feelings would be. Yeah. And it's direct. It's not in, in an indirect way. It'd be like, clearly, this is how I feel and what I need. I think that's the healthy way to look at it. I think there's probably an unhealthy way, which is where you are revealing of everything and trying to uh, manipulate the other person. I think that's probably the most severe opposite. I think the healthy, I think what you're saying is the healthy alternative to passive aggressive is something along the lines of authentic, honest expression. Yes. Yeah. With kindness. Yeah. Or as much kindness as possible. And warmth. Warmth if possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a have to, but yeah. 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 I was trying to think of the, uh, so if we take a look at this in terms of feelings and needs, if someone is acting in a passive aggressive manner, what are their needs? You know, what are their needs and feelings? So, uh, the example I've been thinking about since you introduced this idea was your your previous roommate here. <laughs> uh, there's a cup. There's at least one or two examples. Did you want to talk about those examples? And we can. Yeah, um, that would probably be very helpful to relating passive aggressive and also passive aggressive can be like actions. It could be words. It can be formed in all different kinds of ways. It could also be nonverbal mm -hmm. things that you don't actually say. So, for an example like that, my roommate was upset about this issue and it's abnormal for the cupboards and things to be very loud in the kitchen and what's interesting is like I made my passive aggressive known because he's all upset 
and then you know three o'clock in the morning and I, I storm out of my bedroom and I'm like do you have to be so loud and said something like I can I can slam doors too and I just like slammed my door so like I intentionally was like meeting his passive aggressiveness out loud because oftentimes slamming doors without saying anything is like a passive aggressive basically saying I want nothing to do with this or like I'm frustrated or feeling angry passive aggressive thinking about it it just depends on like what it looks like and sounds like I mean, to figure out needs, but definitely like there's just unheard, not met or needing to be understood. A pure example that I had was it was Christmas. So I had bells on the door, sleigh bells. And I love the sound of sleigh bells because it's just such a fun sound. And so I put it on one of the doors and I was actually talking with you, Eric. And I like looked at the door and noticed it was gone. And I was like, that's odd. And so I kind of just sort of looked around thinking like it could have just, I mean, like he obviously took it off and didn't fall off. So my roommate had taken it off, but I was like, well, where is it? And so as I'm talking to you, I find it in the dirt in my plant. (laughs) And the need there is like, okay, well, it's loud or annoying feeling, feeling annoying, feeling frustrated because it's loud. It's on the door, Mm -hmm. but see, knowing NBC, I could understand why it was put. The thing is, is that it was put in the dirt. That's where the passive aggressive behavior comes in is that it's in the dirt instead of saying, hey, it's really, I just find the bell really annoying. You either say it or you can put it on a coffee table. Yeah. You could put it on the kitchen table, yeah. but the dirt in my plant. <laughs> so yeah, the impact on you is it makes you angry or frustrated or annoyed because you'd like some care and respect for your stuff. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent consideration, yeah. openness. Just yeah. let me know uh, respect. That also leads into like, oh, you don't treat my stuff with respect. It, I take care of my things. I don't just put them in dirt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, you do. And uh, it'd be nice if you just did that. And uh, I guess that's the aggressive part of being passive. It has an aggressive result. The result is in some way an attempt, I'm going to use this word, to hurt you or annoy you or inconvenience you. That's the aggressive part. And the passive part is, you know, I just I just took it and I threw it aside. Or the person isn't transparent with their feelings, they're not honest, and I'm guessing they're protecting themselves from some sort of confrontation. Yeah. Because they don't like conflict. Yeah, it's a tragic way to get seen and heard. It's a tragic strategy for getting their needs to matter. Uh, in this case, I think I don't know. What else do you think? What am I missing? What, what else? What else is in there for you and for that roommate? It's interesting when you said that the behavior had the outcome of frustration. Though I kind of laughed because I was like, "This is silly and ridiculous." So I felt kind of like. What's the silly, ridiculous, like feeling behind that? Like just communicate needs for communication. Yes. Felt frustrated and annoyed. What else I'm trying to think? I think consideration or respect might be. Yeah. That's my guess for you. I mean, yeah. Some kind of mutuality, some kind of understanding maybe. Yeah. And I understood from prior passive aggressive moves that it wasn't like out of, I mean, it, like, duh, of course, this is what would have happened because all the other things that weren't brought up to me didn't happen either. So yeah, that fear for the other person to not want to have confrontation, to not express needs. It's so later when he had confronted asking if I wanted him to move out or something like that. And it came the conversation about just this passive aggressive behavior was just not okay with me. And I made the statement of the bell being in the dirt. And he goes, I hate that bell. And I kind of started laughing because, duh, well, yeah. (laughs) And your intention to put the bell in the dirt was not genuine. It wasn't like a authentic, had integrity intention that's what you that's how you want to show up is like you want to put my bell in dirt because you hate the bell because it's frustrating yeah i'm thinking maybe the jackal there is is that it's childish the jackal would be yes childish that does come up i think i remember we 
maybe you or I had said that on when I was talking to you. Yeah. I mean, at some point, what behaviors are more childish than a more of a healthy way to describe that this bell is annoying to you Yeah, and that you would like to move it? Yeah. I mean, he could say he hates it, but it better than, you know, that's the passive aggressive. He's going to take the action rather than tell you. Right. And the action is going to be this thing essentially to get your attention right? rather than just saying, Katie, this, this bell's just not working for me. Can we move it? Because it really is annoying <laughs> and I hate it. Exactly. And I would have been like, okay, I'll put it on a different door. Right. <laughs> I mean, one that you don't use or one that I use and I like to hear it or, you know, somewhere else. Just put it somewhere else. That's all. It's then becomes a conversation versus this intent to get needs met when it actually is not really meeting, I mean, maybe it met his needs, but it's not meeting a need for communication and to have a conversation about the bill. And it really probably wasn't even about the bill. There were so many other layers and compiled stuff that was probably going on for him, either internally or externally or all the other stuff that had brought up this behavior also possibly too. Because what if we're in a clear headspace? What if we are using our prefrontal cortex? What if we do have skills to communicate? What if we don't think of it as confrontation? So what if we all are set up to succeed? Would we had put the bell in dirt? Probably not. <laughs> well, I think that goes that goes actually back to something you said earlier when you heard the ringtone. Yeah. So these little things to him, and he has no control of it, little things trigger him. They remind him of some past thing. And it's not the bells, which you, which you said. Something in him is um, triggered so much that he has no control except to take these tragic, passive-aggressive actions. Yeah. And I'm not sure where to go with that other than it's it's just he has no control. I mean, clearly he has no control. Right. And that's where, like, the skills come in. Like, we're, he's doing the best he can with the skills he has yeah. at that time. Which is tra- truly tragic. It's truly tragic, yes. right? Yes. Because he's never going to get his needs met with his passive aggressive behavior. It's just going to escalate yeah. because he's not willing to engage with you right. in an honest and authentic way. Right. Or he can't. Right. I'm not sure what the, you know, he's protecting himself because he can't handle it. He just doesn't have the capacity. Yeah. That's my guess. Yeah, 100%. And the only reason this is important between you and me, well, I, I shouldn't, anyway, that's a little jackly, but it's because if we can create a little more compassion for him, and then it softens whether we take the action as aggressive. So I'm thinking in terms of what is pass- passive aggressive. A passive action is actually an aggressive action. But what if I just took it as if that happened to me? What if it's just, oh, huh. I guess he put these in the dirt because this was the closest place and he didn't want to just throw them on the floor where I'd step on them. <laughs> you know, that's just one alternative, right? And then if I can soften in that way. So maybe he was doing his best. And he didn't want to put him on the table because he knows that I'm going to eat there. And he didn't want to put him in the chair because he knows if we put him in the chair, then, you know, that, that could be his motivation, too. And the reason I do that is to try to, from my side, diffuse the idea that it's an aggressive act. Either say, either give him the benefit of the doubt or just say, he is so triggered right now. This is tragic. And I actually feel bad for him. So I'm not going to I'm not going to let my nervous system get um, hijacked, I guess would be the word. Yeah, I like when you said benefit of the doubt. And then I go, but at some point when giving the benefit of the doubt becomes too much and then it's just like, come on. Yeah. Because I did the same thing with the scale. Like a couple of times I'd come home from like my dad's or something and the scale would be my bedroom. And I was like, that's weird. Like the scale has to be on a hard surface. Otherwise it doesn't necessarily work. It's uneven. And I was like, oh, maybe his kids were stepping on it and he just didn't want, you know, something like that. And I did that several times until he like, I then put it back where I had it in the hall, in the right next to my bedroom door. And that's the time of when I was like giving him the benefit of the doubt. And then it turns out he somehow trips on it, (laughs) which I still laugh today because I just can't imagine somebody tripping on it. It was his way of communicating that he trips on this thing and he wants it in my room. So therefore he's just going to move it. And then, you know, after I tested it out and like putting it up and down, I use it like every day before we can even have a conversation and for me to reevaluate where it is, because there's not really any really good place to really put it. And I don't want to put it up and down. So meeting my needs and meeting his, he then hides it behind the door 
of the bathroom. And of course I wake up and go, where the fuck is my scale? <laughs> Another passive aggressive. And then I was like, where the fuck's my scale? I don't think I said fuck, but I was like, where is it? And he's like, well, I saved you two steps and put it behind the door. And I was like, two steps for you, <laughs> not two steps for me. Like it's very inconvenient <laughs> to have to like, A, figure out where it is. Two, you're moving it and it's not that this is not the communication that I would prefer. Having an open discussion about it and reevaluating what I had said before wasn't really aligning with how I actually saw it now played out. Now that I tried it out, it wasn't working for me. So it's very interesting how like, I don't know, the benefit of the doubt turned into like more passive aggressive where he thinks that he's saving time for me. And then it just ends up like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the whole thing. Yeah. No, he, he's just being passive aggressive. He's annoyed. He wants control of his environment because control helps him feel comfortable. It may be that he is adrift in other parts of his life. This is Jack Lee, right? <laughs> and, you know, he doesn't have any other way to connect so he's just going to do it in this way, which doesn't help with connection, number one. Uh, he's just trying to get his needs to matter, which doesn't, this doesn't help him. And then for you, it's just annoying as hell. And what I think you started with is what is the boundary that can, uh, I can have? What is the healthy boundary I can have where I can get my needs met and he can get his needs met? But more specifically, so that you can be seen and understood and have some consideration and respect yeah. and some ease because you want it in the hallway. It's off to the side. He's not going to pump his toe on it. You know, it's going to he's going it's going to be fine from your point of view. And it's a use of the space. It's just use of the space and what's the big deal? And you just like him to understand that, but he he's just not open to it. He doesn't have any understanding of it. It just he doesn't know where his triggers are. That's my guess. Right. And you want to be able to somehow assert your needs in a way that he really gets it. Right. Is that true? Yes. And I mean, I would like mutuality in that we can come up with something together and work through something like this that, you know, that we both can come to an understanding and both hear each other's needs and both have that open communication for that. And it just wasn't going to happen because there was resistant. I was met with some resistance with that. You know, it gets to be too much when it's like, you know, making excuses. Well, you have a mirror there and I could trip on the mirror and it's a fire hazard or it's a <laughs> unsafe thing. And I'm like, when it gets to go on too far, it's then like, at what point do you just say, okay, no, it's just enough's enough where it comes down to that boundary, right? And where lines are crossed. And at that point, I didn't want to start off with resistance. I wanted to somehow meet in the middle. But when it goes too far, then I'm no longer willing to meet in the middle. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Because my energy, I can't take it. There's, it just becomes too much energy for me and my capacity goes kaput. Yeah. So what happens then? So you, you, you notice yourself, you're out of capacity and then you start to insist on what you want. Is that what happens? Or you just blow up or you I don't think you retreat I think you you almost demand is my guess because you've not you had enough of this nonsense yeah uh -huh. I've had enough of this nonsense and it probably would be more demand energy for sure it's staying where it is yeah I'm not gonna compromise if you're not gonna have this conversation right. you know you're gonna storm off and yell yeah you can go ahead and do that it's staying where it is yeah so you're not really open in that case, I'm just explain. I'm just asking a question. You just correct. I would not. No, I would not be open because it went too far and crossed my boundaries and all of those things. So then I'm just gonna be done with it. And yeah. I think I would have to calm down and think about it. Obviously, have some empathy to this type of behavior in order to perhaps want to come back at the conversation and be then open again to figuring out a way that it would work for the both of us. But there was no willingness on the other end to hear my needs. It was just his. Yeah, and I think I think that's normal. Sure. Given that the two of you are in different places. So you were trying to meet him where he's at. My guess is you were trying to invite him into a conversation. And he was falling into his old patterns of almost, I'm going to say, being a victim. Yeah. Kind of. Like he's submitting to you rather than surrendering or negotiating or shifting. And he's just going to be his hurt, stubborn um, these are all adjectives, obviously judgments, hurt, stubborn, and he's <laughs> right. going to take these tragic things 
And so he's not open because he's not really in any form of self-empathy or, or self-warmth. And my guess is that for you, you're like, you know what? My needs really matter. I was willing to weigh your needs, but you know what? You're just acting like someone who I can't deal with. So you're orienting to where he is. You're saying, you know, no, no, we're going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And then you're not open. He's not open. He's not really able to connect. You try to invite him to connection. It gets shut down. So then you're not open to connection. You just want the outcome in the end. So you're pretty attached to a specific outcome, at least with the way this went down. Yeah, right. And the outcome or specific outcome would have been, well, I would, I guess, get what I, you know, what my needs are for having it where it is. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's a specific strategy. Your strategy is to put it in the hallway. It's out of the way. It's on a hard surface. You use it every day, sometimes a couple times a day. It's just easy and it's convenient. And you just like some consideration and some understanding that that's what really works for you. And it sounds like you were frustrated because he didn't have any desire to hear or understand you. And he couldn't convey that in any way, even if he was. Right. So he was attached to an outcome and unable to regulate. You can regulate for a while, but then you're attached to an outcome. And you're really wanting to be seen and understood. Mm -hmm. Can I push you a little bit on this? Yeah, yeah. Is there any circumstance if if he really said, yeah, I get you. You really want this to be easy and convenient. And this is a shared space. Is there anything I could do to get you to not put this scale in the hallway? You know, is there some other alternative to this? Well, I would probably suggest somewhere else, I guess, near my door that would work. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hard mm-hmm. because there isn't anywhere really at the hallway small. The bathroom's tiny. The walkway to my bedroom, it's basically going to be a trip hazard in quotes, no matter where it's put. So, yeah, I don't know what I would say. I would say, well, how about here? How about there? How about here? How about this spot? So, I mean, I would suggest all of the places that would seem okay to me to leave it on the ground and not have to be tilted up and tilt down, tilt up. Yeah, but you really wanted the ease and convenience of of having it in one place, easy to access. And there's not a lot of places to put it that's flat and still out of the way. Did I hear you correctly? Yes. Yeah. So how attached do you think you were to having that thing in the hallway, no matter how the outcome of that conversation went? Uh, I don't know if I was like super attached to leave it where it was. Mm-hmm. I think that if there was a, a different place that worked just as well and still left it flat, then I mean, not that I would be walking all the way across the living room for it, but somewhere in the vicinity of which of when I get out of the bathroom, I would have been fine with, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is particularly tough because, you know, and again, Jackley here, he probably doesn't have the capability. And based on what you've described, he doesn't have the skills or the self-awareness. So then it's left to you to navigate and use all of your capacity and skills. And if you're fairly tied to attachment as well. So this is kind of one of the ideas is that if you're really not open to outcome, it's OK to not be open to outcome. Sure. You just have to be clear. You know, look, I really need this in the hall. That's kind of it. And I hear that, you know, it's going to be inconvenient for you. I understand. Okay. So you acknowledge that, but you say, you know what, I just need this in the hall. Um, If you have alternatives that aren't all the way across in the living room or in our tiny bathroom, then that's not going to work for me. But um, I'm going to have it flat on the ground. And then, you know, you just just decide if you're really set or not. And my guess is, is that you really actually wanted to just at least have a clear conversation. Yeah. And is there something also about not that you were not able to just go and say clearly, hey, I'm going to put this in the hall and it's just going to be there. I don't I don't care what you think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could do that. That's also an alternative, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would not be the passive aggressive. It'd probably be only the aggressive demand. <laughs> aggressive, assertive, I'm not sure what it would be. Sure. But yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's definitely attached to a strategy. Yeah. I definitely could have or had done that for sure. Yeah, I never actually really thought about it. It's not like, it's like, hey, my scale's next to my door of my bedroom. I never thought it would be a conversation to even have in the first place. Right. And clearly it was. So holding myself accountable to saying like, oh, I'm going to put this here. Who knew? (laughs) So starting it off with that, though, yeah, that just, it trickles into a whole nother bucket of worms that I don't really just necessarily want to discuss in detail 
um, when I had initially wanted to discuss, you know, like just duties of cleaning the bathroom, it was just very met with a lot of uh, dismissiveness about it. So like bringing up a scale and where I put it, it was that didn't even cross my mind. And having initiated the conversations about roommate duties and things and met with that defensiveness, it's uh, wouldn't have made me wanted to have that conversation about where I would put a scale. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's important. (laughs) So now we've spent between you and I, we've probably spent at least an hour talking about the scale over the course of our lives. (laughs) Um, But, but what's interesting is, is the reveal here is, is that there were early on, he was, you used the word, I heard the word dismissive. So early on, I mean, you were wanting mutuality and communication and collaboration, and there was none of that from him, from your perspective. He didn't have any interest. No. It was his way or he was going to make you suffer. (laughs) I think it was just like, eh, not really. I guess maybe not wanting to make a big deal about it. I don't know. But I don't know how to like whip this around back to passive aggressive behavior. <laughs> well, I think I think this goes back to he started with passive aggressive behavior at the beginning. Right. You, you propose a chore a chore list that we we're going to exchange effort on and he he's like he essentially ignores it. Yeah. He dismisses it. And so, I don't know if that's aggressive, but he's he's not cleaning. Right. <laughs> he's not sharing the responsibility. So it sounds like from the very beginning there was some form of passive aggressive behavior where it's like, and in, in this case, the inaction was aggressive behavior. Like there's, I'm not going to meet with you to talk. I'm not even going to talk to you about the chore chores. Right. I think that's when I said in the beginning, right? Like it could be an action, it could be nonverbal. It could be something that's said. And I think that's exactly what it does. It did come around when I didn't even think about that. The passive way to like pass over the duties of roommates and things like it definitely was like sort of looked over like uh I don't know yeah 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 we'll get to that when when it's dirty it's like really I guess yeah it's not necessarily I guess aggressive but it is like that passive behavior where it did start off that way and I didn't even think about that as you're saying this I'm just thinking about it just now yeah so oh that's interesting I imagine that you've I mean from the very beginning you started building up resistance to his or annoyance or protection from his his actions. It's my guess is what happened. Oh yeah. And he was doing the same to you. I mean, he just again he he has some weird way of being in the world where this which is tragic. Whatever his needs are, let's just say it's ease. And you're wanting more mutuality and collaboration. He's just not on board with that. No. Yeah. His only way to make his needs matter is to do it in this passive way. So if we think about passive aggressiveness. If I am passive aggressive, I am dropping your needs. I mean, I'm just, I'm literally dropping your needs in favor of mine. And I'm not, but I'm not being explicit. I'm not being transparent. I'm not being honest. I'm not being authentic. I'm doing it in a way which uh, expects you to read my mind or just suffer. Right. And there's another part of, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. And then if I'm doing that, then I imagine that as I do that, my nervous system might even be amping up, getting ready for a confrontation so I can defend against it. And maybe this is what I like. Maybe I like building up this tension because this is just the way it's always been for me. Mm. I'm like, I'm going to just really get Katie wound up. So when we talk, we're going to have a lot of this very negative, tragic energy between us. And I'm going to be and I'm going to build up the resentment, too. So I'm going to build up resentment to you. That's my guess is what's happening. And my body is just used to that. It's the aliveness of that because I don't have a healthy habit of of not building up resentment. Right. That's interesting. And then you build up resentment and you're trying not to. Right. And you're not trying to, you don't want, you don't want resentment. You want mutuality and collaboration and a clean, clean place. Yeah, exactly. And I think that I didn't, the few times when it was sort of met with that dismissive defensiveness, I think I really tried really hard to like have that compassion in the moment to not build the resentment because even going into the scale thing and like in the beginning, giving the benefit of the doubt, I definitely didn't have like resentment there. It's just, I don't think that I wanted to have that because it doesn't ever help anybody in trying to have those open conversations of collaborating and all of that. But then once I noticed that the intention wasn't genuine with the passive aggressive behavior, for sure, 
there was resentment there and resistance to any other sort of thing that this person had to say. You oriented to this behavior and you said, yep. this guy's just never going to meet my needs. So now I'm going to have to fight for my needs. I'm going to assert my needs and because this is, this is the only way to work with this guy. So maybe that is the the life-serving way to take care of needs. Oh, interesting. Maybe you do that because you're like, this is the only way it's going to work. This guy will never work with me, which is a hopeless situation, right? <laughs> right, right. So I'm just going to make sure I, I do it. It's going to, I'm going to get my needs met. I'm going to, I'm going to put that scale out there and it's going to be... <laughs> you know, You know, it's interesting. Someone said this quote to me recently. I shouldn't be chewing chocolate while I'm saying this, but... Um, it's not nonviolence if you're not willing to fight, hmm. meaning it's passivity if you're not willing to fight, right? Right. So in this case, and I don't know, there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just thinking out loud. You're reasserting, you know, that your needs are important. You're, I, I don't know if I, you're, I would say you're screaming in giraffe. It's not clear if you're, to me if you are or not. But you're saying, look, I'm attached to this strategy. Here's some reasons. It's going to stay here. Right. I think I did try to speak and I was speaking in giraffe and trying to hear him for sure. But eventually I was done with the childish crap. I just, there was, it was like you said, it was a hopeless situation. So I just well, stopped putting in the effort. So yeah, I guess I was willing to like fight yeah. back to your quote for it to be nonviolent. Yeah. Maybe you're just meeting him where he's at. The only way that he knows how is to do this passive aggressive and then you're an aggressive. So you go aggressive, aggressive. Right. And it's not like you're threatening his life or anything. Right. 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 <laughs> All five feet of you. You're not threatening to, to bite him or something. <laughs> you're, you're just saying, look, my scale is going to be there. And uh, that's it. This seems to be it. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing right or wrong about that. I'm just thinking this through. You're meeting him with the energy yeah. and you're meeting him the only way he seems to be able to communicate. Yeah. And you're in choice. You were in choice, I think. Is that true? You were like, you, you were in choice at that point. I think I tried to be in choice the whole time and consider him and to know that what he has to say matters. And yes, I was in choice. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I didn't feel bad. Uh leaving it where it was i mean if one human is not going to discuss something with another human then i'm not just i don't know give in and just go oh well i'm just not gonna meet my needs so i'll just do whatever this person wants to people please i don't do that no you're not gonna do that no <laughs> so i left yeah i was in choice and left it where it was yeah so the question is is that in nvc is that persisting or demanding and I don't know in this case. That's interesting. I think demanding you're open to out, you're not open to outcome, but persisting you are open to outcome. It sounds like you started open to outcome. I think it was both. Yeah, you think it was both? Yeah, mm -hmm. I think it's both for sure. Because it definitely in the beginning was open to outcome, thinking about the different ways that this could work. And then it just proceeded to get worse. And so then, yeah, totally turned into demand. Yeah. What would it be if I was if I was open to outcome? I would be closed off to outcome. What's the other one? Yeah, you'd be open. To, if you're persisting, you're open to outcome, yeah. but you're still kind of advocating for your needs yeah. with feelings. And then if you're but if you're demanding, you're really closed to any. You're attached to a specific outcome or strategy. Right. And you're the only one who can tell me how attached you really were to a strategy. Hmm. The strategy to move it mm -hmm. to a different location. Mm -hmm. I think I was open to having it move into a different location. I guess that would be contingent upon the location, how convenient it would be placed, where it would be placed. Right. I don't know if that restricts any sort of outcome or option. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. I wish I had the answer. I'm not certified yet. Once I get certified, <laughs> I'll know the answer. Well, anytime you, if you come visit, you can test it out and see if you trip on the scale and let me know. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm just going to move it to a different place. I'll put it on the carpet in your room. Oh, yeah, okay. And we'll, we'll test that part of it. <laughs> we'll test that part of it. That would be good. So did this meet your needs for talking about passive-aggressive and NVC? What did you think about this? Yeah, I. it's just so interesting because it could go on for a whole other thing because then I could talk about how, like, experiences that I've been passive-aggressive. So, yes, it's met needs to talk about passive-aggressive when speaking and integrating NBC because when I clearly know that it's passive-aggressive behavior, like putting the bell in dirt, I know that the intention to do that was not, I don't know, genuine because who does that? That would be like putting your toothbrush in dirt. I mean, come on. 
you would just don't you just don't do that and knowing nbc this is what's really cool about it is that when i'm in this practice first of all i just think it's silly and i laugh but two i <laughs> this is probably my jackals coming out first but i go to how tragic this is and how sad this is that this person communicates in this way to meet me and once i get it out of my system and this is just really silly there is a part of me that can have compassion for someone who's having a really hard time and doing something that that maybe they would do with more skills if they had them. Um, so that small part of me just has compassion. And then do I get curious? I don't know, because I don't really at this point, after all that, I didn't want to like get into like getting curious, like, why did you do that? I just will have more of an internal dialogue with the passive aggressive behavior and go, okay, okay, you know, he's having a hard time. There's things going on in his life that there's more than it's not, it's not about the bell. It's not about putting it in dirt. It's, it's much deeper than that. And things that I am not aware of because I don't live in that life. Yeah. Talking about all this has really helped uh, celebrate in that, that growth of NBC that having passive aggressive behavior happen and then using my skills to learn from the situation and to see it differently because Many years ago, I would have done that. I probably would have flipped my lid and been like, what the fuck are you doing? Why'd you put this in dirt? This is stupid. What, what's wrong with you? You know, who knows how I would have reacted or maybe I wouldn't have reacted that way, but I definitely would have had those thoughts versus the other ones. So my thoughts definitely died down. And yeah, it's, it's very interesting because we can all, we all can be passive aggressive in some way or not. I know I have people I want revenge against. Of course, I'm going to probably be passive aggressive and find revenge because they deserve it. You know, you have it. That's like a whole nother part of passive aggressive or the people pleasing. Like you say yes when you really don't want to. And you're like, sure, I can do that. But you're not in choice. Right. So then the passive aggressive isn't if you're not in choice, you're not you're doing it out of obligation or duty. Then you come to find out that they didn't really want to do the thing that you asked them to do. And then, you you know, it's a whole nother can of worms. But, yeah, it's um, a very interesting topic to talk about yeah. because it can be scary to have a hard conversation or to confront somebody or to speak up for your needs. It's very scary to do that. Yeah. Especially if we don't know how. Yeah. How did how do you think it was for you this conversation to talk about it? It was really interesting. I actually didn't think I'd be able to do anything with it, quite honestly. Because and then because we were able to bring in your scenario where you were annoyed by someone, I think. And we have at least your perspective on it. I was able to think about all the way from it's tragic for him, for sure. It's tragic for you in a way, but you were resourced and maybe you did meet him where he's at. Mm -hmm. And I am a little bit torn on that still because I think sometimes, you know, I, I guess I don't, I'm sure somebody's going to be cringing listening to this, but uh, sometimes it's important to just assert ourselves. You tried, you had the conversation. Yeah. I mean, he didn't even try to have a conversation. He was just yeah. going to, he just would have continued with the behavior. Yeah. That makes it really hard when the other person will have a conversation. And it is a torn, like when to assert needs and stand up for your needs. And then when to like try to meet them where they are. It's kind of like, it's, that, it's a hard battle almost. I don't know if I was married to somebody and this is what happened, then we would probably be talking about this. We wouldn't have just left it. Yeah. So in talking to one of my friends who's married, so first of all, a lot of, I read about a lot of these situations on Facebook and hear about them through NVC practice groups. There is definitely a mismatch in terms of two people having the ability to meet each other's needs, no matter what, in any relationship. The question is, is what you just said is how do you navigate that? And for one of my friends, she says, the conversation is enough. Mm. You know, the vulnerability to have the conversation is enough. Uh, because what happens is if you get seen and understood, you both get seen and understood, then there's more softness and then there's more openness to outcome and strategies. Right. And in this case, you get to be in choice, which is you say, roommate, I think it's time for you to move out, essentially. The only question is this you know, what stopped you from actually saying that, you know, given what was happening. So your choice was to assert your needs and not to say, you know what, I think this is not a good fit. It's time for you to move out. 
uh, which is sort of the nuclear option. Mm-hmm. And it's the option that couples face too, yeah? Sure, yeah. In a way, you're actually attached to a different outcome, which is, I guess, staying as roommates maybe. And, and maybe that's, I don't know, and people decide to stay in marriages for kids, for financial reasons, convenience. And you probably had some of those thoughts too. It's like, I'm just going to assert this because, you know, I still would like to have a roommate for whatever reason. And... That's why you knew you could do that. That's why you chose that particular path. Maybe that was the unconscious part of the decision. Mm. The unconscious part was that I wanted him to stay. You wanted him to stay. Or didn't want him to stay. Uh, it, could, it could be both. Yeah. Actually, as I'm thinking about it, this is a non-dual world. So It could be. It could be because yeah, you, right. you were torn, right. but you were gonna, at least you were going to get your needs met. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting thought now that you had said that. Because I think... I want to honor agreements to signing a six month lease. So I would never kick anybody out or at least come to that option without, especially over scale. Like, come on, I would want to have a conversation before that came down to that. And when you were talking about like the marriage, yeah, like it's so different because that relationship is so much closer and tighter or had been closer or tighter. Like this is a roommate situation. This is not, I'm married to this person. So like my attachment at some point, putting in more effort for this, no way. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. If it was my lover and romantic like relationship, then okay, I'll fight for this because it's a much deeper intimate relationship. Whereas this was not that way. So yeah, it's, that's interesting too, to take in into consideration when thinking about the unconscious and conscious like thought of, you know, being assertive with your needs and like, hey, this is not working. And it really wasn't. And maybe that's what the underlining thing is, is that it just wasn't working. You don't want to hang on to what's not working and be both miserable because that would not be fun. (laughs) That wouldn't be fun. No, 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 no. And yeah, thank you for this conversation. This was really good. How are you feeling? I'm pretty tired, to be honest with you. So yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's later than we usually do it. And uh It'll be interesting to hear what the viewers say. So, viewers, email Katie and tell her what you thought about it. And, <laughs> Please uh, bring us your, maybe your passive-aggressive experiences. I know that I didn't even get into the, like, ones of where I am playing the role of being passive-aggressive. And we didn't even get into any, like, experiences that you had, Eric, um, that you might have been either on either side of one or the other and talk about that. But we would love to hear from you. We talking about maybe an experience that you guys had and we can discuss feelings and needs with that. And this is a community and I want everyone to feel like they're a part of that. And I wrote in a letter to um, opinions that don't matter with Katie Morton (laughs) and uh, her husband, Sean. And it's very fun to like hear someone else's letter, like to hear my voice on someone else's podcast was really cool. Um, I know it can be sort of nerve wracking because definitely hearing my name on someone else's podcast is like, what? (laughs) So I know it can be nerve wracking, but it's really cool to hear everyone's letters on that uh, podcast and hear everyone contributing to make the podcast what it is. So I would just, we would love and appreciate your thoughts on passive aggressive and don't worry if it's been weeks or months past, we would love to bring you in and talk about it. That would be super cool. Thank you, Eric, so much for being here today and hanging on, eating chocolate and trying to make it through. (laughs) Well, thank you, Katie, for having me again. Yeah, I'm sure we'll text and talk all week long until this next recording. Yes, sounds like a plan. And big hugs. All right, yeah. Thanks, Katie. Yes, thank you. Uh, Be kind to your heart, be gentle to your heart, living connected, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Toodles, everybody. Bye. (laughs) Bye.